Hello and welcome to Two Two Guys, a podcast about ballet hosted by ballet dancers. My name is Keelan, and today on the show I have very special guest Joachim Stevenson, or if I pronounce it correctly, help me out here. Yeah, yeah, Joachim Stevenson. Joachim Stevenson.、Um, I learned that it's quite common to have names that end in son, and it actually comes from a、yeah. Viking tradition of saying, like, your dad's name was Stephen, so you are Stephen's son. Or you'd have Stephen's daughter, which is, you know, you know. Anyways, people get it. I think they get it. But I was fascinated. <laughs> like, oh wow! So all of the names that are ending in son or daughter are actually a reference to somebody's parents, like a thousand years ago. Yeah. So I don't think your dad's name is Stephen, but your great 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 grandfather was Stephen. Yeah, and he he was actually British. So. Oh. That's what my name comes from, Stevenson. But I do have a typical Swedish name as well, Svensson, like Sven's son. Yeah. So you're you're correct on that one. Right. Okay.、Uh, yeah, Joachim. It's a really nice name. Just saying. I think <laughs> I think that's a nice name.、Yeah. Thank you. So、uh, you are here today to talk about dance, and that's because you have a dance background. So let's just briefly go through your dance background. You are dancer, certainly former dancer. Do you still consider yourself a dancer? That that's a, a good question. I've been、uh, playing around with that. Like, when do you stop being a dancer, even、yeah. though you don't dance on a stage? But、uh, I relate to myself as a dancer, but I'm not an active dancer on stage. Right. Since I retired from the opera house、uh, when five years ago. Yes, Royal Swedish Ballet. And、uh, you were a,、yeah. a soloist at the time when you retired, is that right? Yeah, it's quite a lovely position, soloist in a Scandinavian ballet theater. That's you've certainly made it. That's nice.、Um, you're also a choreographer,、yeah. a filmmaker. You've made dance films, and a movement coach.、Yeah. And I saw that you've been doing movement workshops with the Swedish government. Yeah, what's that like? Like, how do you book that gig? That sounds awesome. That's awesome. It is awesome. I mean, I、um, I had a participant in my improv composition class, and he was a bit older.、Uh, he is a bit older, and he came to up to me after a class, and he was like, "Do you also do consulting?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I coach also. Yeah, no, 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 but I'm like, do you consult? Like, do you do you coach?" Um, people in well-being, and I'm like, okay, well, I could. So he invited me as a human resourcer director at the Swedish government or the Swedish Ministry of Foreign Affairs to host and conduct、uh, like workshops there in body awareness and communication and like you know how we dance or listen to each other on stage. Right. So and also. A big part of me is storytelling and、uh, yeah, goof and play. So that kind of stuff we did、yeah. at the at the government. Yeah, it's so easy to forget that the stuff that for us is so automatic is not so for a big part of the non-dancer population in the world. So body awareness, movement, the importance of daily exercise, how to read each other's body language, like. There are so many things that seem obvious and seem like they're not that important to talk about, but for other people are going to be really novel ideas they can take into their life elsewhere. 
Hmm. Consulting, consulting seems to be a pretty good hourly rate. So good for you. Um, yeah. I'll keep that in mind. If anybody ever says, Hey, do you consult? I'll say, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but also to add to that, it's been coming more and more research on what the dance actually does on the well-being and also on the brain. So, and also by having uh, imaginary pictures. So that interests me a lot, you know, to find out, like you said, like our resources as a dancer to give them on to normal people in quotes, yeah. you know, yeah. like to, to give it away that enjoyment and uh, of also the, what do you say? Like have the opportunity to dance together or experience dance together. That, that gives something special when everything is in tune, I would say. Yeah, taking what we're learning from the study of dancers and then applying the, you know, everything, all of the benefits from that to the general population is absolutely a good idea. So we met when you came and you were teaching at Estonian National Ballet for a week. It was a, like a, a brief stint. You came as a guest and yeah. uh, I loved your class. I think I can speak for everybody. Like the whole company loved your class. And we connected because you, you happened to be there at a very interesting time in my career. And so uh -huh. I was looking for conversations with people um, or I was looking for something. And I thought I felt kind of a kinship with you. And so beyond the class, we had a couple conversations that were really nice, hmm. including one where, now if I remember correctly, I think we were doing a run through of Streetcar that day. I think. And if, if you remember differently, you can tell me, but we were doing a run through, I mm -hmm. think of streetcar and I was doing the male lead Stanley and he doesn't come in until like 25, 30 minutes in. And so I thought I've got time. I can go chat with Joachim outside the studio somewhere else. And I'll be fine because as long as I time it right, I'll be back in time. And we're having this great conversation and uh, really, really intricate. And then the assistant to the director kind of barges in and he's like, Keelan, you're late for rehearsal. Where have you been? And we, we, we didn't do it in order. You, we've been looking for you. I was like, okay. But they had really recently um, let me go from the company under not great circumstances. And so I wasn't really concerned. I was like, okay, I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, great conversation. And we can maybe continue it mm. today. Yeah. Yeah, what do you remember from your time visiting Estonia? Um, well, I enjoyed it a lot because it was kind of a mixed company, I would say, like new dancers, like when the new director took in and some dancers that been there a longer while and mixed teachers. So, but I am this kind of person that like uh, meeting new people and challenges and see how you can create an atmosphere so like creating an, a class where everyone is seen uh, somehow maybe they will not get corrections but but at least they were seen and like thank you for being here kind of thing uh getting a, a what do you say like a playful but intentional class and also it's about the dancers so I would say my experience there was 
you know, meeting the director, but also meeting the dancers. And since I'm quite new with teaching professional companies, it's also like a growth and development for myself there. I saw a lot of things, how I could, you know, evolve and get better. Uh, and what I realized there is to, it's in the doing, it's not so much in, in the talking, doing and being like how I am in class, how I conduct a class, and then that the dancers get their exercises, you know, like the, the pirouettes, the different pirouettes, they get their different small jumps into big jumps. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's important to keep evolving as you know, a choreographer or a teacher or a person in a position as well, not just that, okay, I got this. Mm, yeah. uh, so you keep on looking how you can be more efficient, how you can be more pleasant to be with, how you can be more straightforward or you know, how much more you can be for the dancers and less about yourself. Yeah, I, f I feel like from having different guest teachers, um, when a guest teacher comes into a company, especially if it's their first time or um, they haven't been there for a while, so there's new people, unfamiliar faces, I guess you have the option of playing it safe or taking a big swing. And I felt like you took a really big swing. And I remember you would give a lot of exercises that would turn in and then turn back out, right? So you'd start a lot of your exercises mm. with, we're going to go into parallel and then we're going to come back. And I mean, not that that's like a crazy, crazy idea, but I think mm -hmm. it happened throughout the class, like five, six exercises throughout the class, at least yeah. we kept going in and out and you explained your mentality behind it, right? That you want to actually engage the turnout actively. So we're going to let it go and bring it back. And you kept using this terminology, like you, you kind of taught us your language on the first day. Mm. And, and you called mm. it sheesh and you explained it's like sheesh kebab, <laughs> right? That yeah, a sheesh yeah. kebab is when you put like a stick through meat or vegetables, whatever. And it's a really clear visual image. All of these things are held tight together and that we needed to think of sheesh kebab in our turnout. So we're squeezing both sides of our turnout, just squeezing our butt. So there's nothing loose, right? A sheesh kebab holds it tight. And you said, that's going to be what I'm going to say. And so it was like, you were teaching us your shorthand. So every time you said sheesh, we knew what it meant. And yeah, like I said, that's a pretty big swing for a bunch of people who don't know you to say like, I'm going to use different yeah, yeah. words, clear visual metaphor. Um, and I'm going to do slightly different exercises, but it mm. totally worked. I think at least everybody I spoke to loved it. I loved it. Mm. And it was fun and it was different. I wonder, do you, do you go in, like, is there any thought behind it that says I want to take a big swing like you want to walk in there and really make a an impression or is that just kind of a coincidence that that's just how it happened uh, that's a great question uh, I come from my uh, a little bit out of my experience as a dancer I would say when uh, you know if you've been injured a lot and stuff like that and then how I come back from an injury and into shape and what is it that actually make me strong in, and able to land on one foot, which I twisted or a knee that I just had a surgery on. 
okay, yeah, engaging my butt and activate my turnout does hold my standing leg better to land on one foot after a double sort of busk down, for example. So it's more uh, about aligning the body in your body and in space. And then having fun is, I think we all work better if we have fun and some lightness in everyday life, especially as a professional dancers, because you have performances and rehearsals, you might just stand a lot during the day. So just bringing back to humanity and light and yeah, to work with intentional and, and things that actually make a difference to to have your body strong and supported. So that's where I come from when I teach, not to make an impression or, you know, like, of course, we all want to have a, you know, you want to look good or like everyone to love you, but they will not. So mm-hmm. my focus is more like, what's my message? What, where do I come from when I, I teach? Yeah, like to set the dancers up and it's to get them warm and right and and also have them have fun with their reality so what i'm hearing from that is that it's not a conscious choice to be big or to make a big impression but it's Mm. you have um ideas based on what's worked for you and what you feel like is important to achieve a result and it's the degree that you care that actually sets the kind of tone for how big it is i guess your empathy for your awareness of what the dancers are going through that that's why it comes across as a big swing is because you like really mean it. So you're not just comfortable being like quiet in the back. You actually want to get something across to the dancers. It's also, I I set an intention, like why do class, you know, we can pretend ballet, you know, la la, and we stick our butt out and like, Oh, I'm pretty, but that will not be great in the long run. You will, you know, either injure your knee or foot or, and also you turn in then from hips, you get more turned in. And Mm. so, so to say, but but also the balance of having it light, but also challenge people as well as, you know, have fun. I think, it, and I like the highlight zone in between there, you know, that where's the edge, where's the balance of that, you know, to have the ultimate focus, you know, of fun and, you know, try this, you know, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> requesting you to try this and, and yet like, but do however you like. So how do you communicate that? And how can you enroll the dancers to, to try on new things? Because we also know our bodies. We know a lot already as a professional dancer. Yeah. So for anybody listening right now, if you can hear crickets in the background, it's not an effect. It's because there's like, I'm on a farm right now and there's literally crickets outside everywhere. So there's always a little subtle backdrop of chirp, chirp, chirp. I do hear it. It's nice. Okay. So I think our conversation back in Estonia a year ago touched on finding your own groove, finding your own way of movement that works for you, that suits you, right? The individual. Mm -hmm. And that's why I wanted to bring you on today. Um, I think that could be a value if we can help other people find their groove. And I like the word groove because groove kind of implies fun, right? Nobody's saying like, I got to go find my groove. And they're like really hard on themselves, right? Yeah. (laughs) Finding your own way to move can still be critical and heavy. And so I'll actually, if I may, I'm going to read from your website, your about (laughs) section for you. Okay. Because this is good. And this is why it's all going to tie it. 
I am ambitious, but get my inspiration and strength from creating a playground of easiness, joy, and exploration. So, especially in ballet, but in so many fields in life, we are given kind of a doctrine, you know, a dogma. We're given, this is the technique. This is the thing you have to learn and master. Mm. And in doing that, we can lose whatever whimsical nature brought us into it in the first place, right? If you start taking ballet when you're a child because you'd like to jump around, which was my thing, I'd like to spin and leap. It is probably really common. And it certainly happened with me that we lose track of the joy that brought us there in the first place. And we get so bogged down with the ideas of perfection and improvement and all of our flaws. And while that's useful, studying the technique and trying to master it, I think we actually lose something really important when we cut off from the joy and from the natural quality that we have. And not just in like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we could have more fun doing it? I think we actually become worse artists and worse dancers when we lose track of that. And I can give an example, which is my sense of balance, like not life balance, but actual balancing on one leg, on two legs, doing pirouettes, things like that. I've got lots of friends who can balance really easily. And for me, it's always been a struggle, right? And I've, I've had breakthroughs over the years and some of those breakthroughs have been technical, right? Learning how to hold muscles or develop strength. But a big part of it was realizing I had always held my breath every time I balanced because I thought it was about effort, but it isn't about effort. It's actually about surrender. It's about finding something that already exists within you, right? And so to me, that's a little micro example of, I was so concerned with the technique that I denied my own natural body, physical understanding of how to find balance, right? So I came at it from the outside, from thinking rather than from the inside and just knowing and feeling. Mm. And so you have lots of experience with this. You've worked with lots of choreographers. You've tried lots of things and you're now even consulting and coaching and teaching other people how to find their natural groove. And so I figure I want expertise, go to the expert. And that's why I brought you on. Cool. So I guess I would ask straight up, how do people find their groove? Because I think this also goes beyond just ballet, right? Like anything we discover here would be applicable to somebody on a skateboard or with a baseball bat or sitting in an office because it's how do you connect with what you naturally bring, right? Um, rather than thinking of what you need to learn, how do you access that which is abundant from within? So yeah, do you have any specific tips? <laughs> I don't, I mean, tips is, is also individual. Like you say, we're all different and I like to see the person. It's all about for me, see, hear and acknowledge the group or then the person who I'm working with. Then you can kind of scan and okay, like you just said, if you're concerned about being perfect, what usually uh, goes out first is breath, <clears throat> you know, because we, we want to be tight. We want to be, uh, you know, smart and exact and like not disrupt any balances or uh, technique or heights. So, so we tense, we make ourselves tighter because we think we're going to be faster or stronger or like when I was uh, 20 something I just discovered oh I've been dancing out of I need to be strong because I was so skinny when I was young 
So all effort went to like pulling my body together. Uh, and that made a very weird look when people were watching me. It's like, okay, he's, he's a bit sticky when I was dancing. But when I realized like, okay, I am this tall. This is my body. This is how I look. And actually I wasn't that weak. I started to relax and I was just in my body and allowed my body to be my body not to become something else, trying to be something else, trying to hold myself together. No, I was almost, like you said, relaxed or uh, surrendered for my own body. Then my movement got bigger. I got more solid. I got more grounded. And I actually became more charismatic and present because everything wasn't up here in my head, inside my head and trying to figure out how to become like someone else. <laughs> so I started yeah. to be more radiant as me and physically stronger. That's it right there. Like you're, you were trying to be somebody else. And I think in doing that, mm. we actually cut ourselves off from being able to provide what we have. Like if I grow watermelons in my backyard, but I think that we only want cantaloupe, then I'm going to lose the fact that I've got great watermelons and people love watermelon, right? Like I literally have watermelon in front of me right now which is probably why I'm using it as the example. When, you know, if I think that I'm a bad dancer, then whatever I bring naturally is bad, right? And so I'm going to deny myself all of that stuff, but I'm not a bad dancer, right? I have lots of work to do. Certainly when, I'm, when you're a kid, you have so much work to do, but all of us have lots of work to do. And to diminish my own light, to try to shine like something else, is I think a mistake. Like, I think it's really, really a mistake. Not to say you should just only be yourself and not try to improve or adjust to a technique, but it's finding that balance and riding that wave. And so your example there is great. Well, I felt like I was weak, so I tried so hard to be strong, but then people said, hey, you look really stiff. It's like, yeah, well, we end up trying, we end up creating another problem in trying to deny what we naturally are. And I think there's a balance to be found. And so finding your own groove, I think is a good way to put it, which is when you're alone and no one's watching you, how do you dance? How do you move? Yeah. And also the flow of the movement and flow of like plie or flow of relevant, flow of bouncing, flow of turn, not like, <laughs> but I think what is interesting here is as a dancer, you can work on that, but it's a bigger conversation because then a teacher comes and the teacher brings in the same conversation as a dancer, inherited conversation. Like now I'm better than you. So you, I'm going to teach you how to be not perfect because I was not perfect when I grew up. So it's, it's already set on you. Like you should be perfect. Uh, you, you have a good body, but you should have more feet like this. So it already starts from when we're young to we get put on another conversation that we're not our groove. I mean, you can have a straight line and stretch your legs and yet you can still be groovy and you can still be Tom, Joachim, Stina, Anna. You can be the person you are. Many teachers, I, see, I think they don't see the capacity, the quality, the, the stars in front of them. They try to make them something else. Because we have this illusion of what ballet is. 
I think we can have both. You know, we don't have to, sometimes I feel some teachers diminish what they have in front of them. They don't work with what they have in front of them. And like you say, finding their groove. No, yeah. no, you should, you must, and then the dancers come more and more away from themselves and they, they get stuck in the heads yeah. or at least it can go that way for some, you know, unless you're like totally don't listen to your teacher and, and shut off and, you know, like dancing in your own head, which some kids do. But so I think it's a bigger thing. We can always work with ourselves, but it's, it's also what the people in positions of leadership, what they provide what kind of space they provide, what kind of conversation about their dancers. They look at you or see you or listen to you. Well, yeah, I was definitely that kid that you just described. You know, you have your teacher on Saturday, which is different than your teacher from the rest of the week, and then your variations teacher, and they're all giving me seemingly different information, you know, even if it's slightly different, you know, your passe goes here in the front or your passe goes in the side. That's a pretty big difference when you're just a kid trying to learn how to do pirouettes and whatever is natural for me, it's the last thing I'm considering, right? That's the one I'm going to discard soonest because I go, well, I'm nobody and these people are all professionals. So I'll, I'll listen to them. But so there are bigger issues we're touching on here, but uh, let's bring it back to actual tangible methods, tricks we can use to find our own groove. So maybe we can go back and forth, but I'll, I'll start with the one that I know has worked for me. Mm -hmm. So something I've noticed is I've got these nice headphones that I got uh, Christmas. I asked for nice, like, I like them beats headphones and I'll just put on some music, right? Something really, really vibey, something I really like. And I'll notice like, oh, I start moving a little bit and just kind of start bouncing. And I'll, I usually close my eyes because it helps me just go inside the body. I stop thinking about what I look like when I close my eyes and I just start moving. And what, before I realize it, I'm like really grooving. Like I might as well be on the dance floor, you know? Like, I'm, and it's, it's whatever. Like it isn't choreographed at all. There's no pressure. And over the years, when I've ever kind of experimented with this or I've said, okay, let me just improv and dance freely. There's been a mental judgment, right? A judgment of how stupid do you look right now? And then this thought that kind of comes in, like back when you used to use Microsoft Word and then Clippy would pop up, the little paper clip, and you'd be like, it looks like you're trying to write a resume. You want help? This little voice would pop up in my head and be like, looks like you're trying to dance. You want help? Let me make you look cool. Let me choreograph. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to do now. Uh, I'm too in my head. But with time and with kind of surrender and acceptance, and I'm not trying to look like anything. I'm just trying to see what's inside me. And then the right kind of groovy beat, I will actually now like feel free to just move and shake my arms and shake my ass, like whatever it is. Right. And so that is, I would say my first piece of like tangible, like try this. If you're looking for how to find your own groove, maybe you like headphones, maybe you like speakers, but whatever it is, get the best quality music, the listening system you can, so you can be fully immersed, put on something like real fun, whatever you like, crank it. And just close your eyes and just like let yourself move, give yourself permission and just see what happens. And you never know, maybe 10 minutes later, you'll be like, oh my God, that was the best 10 minutes of my whole day, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, 
like I'm not an expert on these things. So, and I think it's very human and something deep within us moving to music. We've done that like since the earth was created. No, but it's really a good way of getting out of your head, especially not in front of the mirror. Like, like you say, you're closing your eyes. And so to find your groove, I would say it's, it's a lot about energy. It's a, also a state of mind kind of thing, a state of energy. Like you say, someone at, in an office could have a groove sitting there. It's, it's the energy. Then we take it out in our bodies as dancers or physical persons. But I was thinking another way of looking at groove is like to go like the opposite of perfect. Like, okay, I'm going to explore to be really trashy, weird, mm. ugly, you know, also in your room or in the studio, turn the lights off, like, and really be, you know, making faces, really stick your tongue out, you know, <laughs> making eyes, the worst and, and ugly positions because usually, especially as ballet dancer, I would say classical ballet dancers, we're so shaped in this form. And then just like creating weird positions, weird energy, weird faces that could give you access to some new groove and freedom. If groove is the same as freedom, to dance and to be, I think that's really, it's a good one, you know, especially also mm -hmm. going down to the floor and crawl around and be friend with this silliness, like, oh, I'm crawling on the floor now. This is really weird. Okay, mm -hmm. let's keep on crawling. I'm crawling here. And like your little pop-up micro soft thingy, you mm -hmm. know, like, yeah, John, sit on the back and let's crawl on the floor. That would give you more freedom to, to explore and to dance and to move and so be ugly like take your like decide a time okay i'm gonna go in the studio and be ugly and too much because no don't be too much you know yeah, yeah. all of that yeah. and explore and that's good too I've, I've heard that as a tool uh for different things like complaining or grieving like things that are uh maybe unpleasant to set aside a specific time so in your case, being ugly, being contorted, you go in the studio and you say, for the first 30 minutes of this, my studio time today, I've booked it off in my mind as I'm going to explore being ugly. I'm going to explore making weird faces and different poses. And that's the goal. And so I'm not trying to be pretty. Pretty is tomorrow. But today, it's just how ugly can I get? So that's, that's a great idea. Another one to consider is make sure you do the things you like doing. Right. I know for myself, I spend so much time working on the things I'm not good at to try to improve them. And that's great because that's how we get better. But if it comes at the expense of me actually doing the stuff I'm like naturally good at and that I naturally enjoy, it'll start to feel like every time I go into the studio, it's a slog fest. You know, it's always climbing uphill in the mud. So mm. don't forget to just do the things that you like doing and that come naturally to you. Because mm. again, if you're good at something naturally, then celebrate it, right? Show it and have fun with it. Yeah, because it can be like, you know, a blind horse going somewhere, but it doesn't know where it goes. Like, I need to work harder, harder, better. But 
what, wait a minute, maybe you all, like you say, you're already strong. Maybe you're already aligned. Maybe there's other qualities I actually can work on or want to work on if I stop myself from just keep on going forward. Yeah. You know, um, I was thinking also being silly, uh, like that helped me sometimes. <laughs> now it's really like, a tip no but i remember when i was tired in class and stuff like that i went to my silliness or if it was boring i i went you know yeah play playfulness and, and that usually brought a good atmosphere around me also because sometimes you know rehearsals can be very long and boring but not to the overboard you know like taking <laughs> taking the attention away from what it is but right. but uh because waiting is tough also waiting for your soul or entrance or your group dance or whatever you're doing is to keep the groove there so you can actually deliver what you're supposed to deliver when it's time for it but with the groove you want you know with with, yeah. with the best of you as possible i i dance i danced the best when i had the groove and when i also was clear on what my groove was for example when i did uh rothbart in swan lake i created him as unstoppable greatness so when we were in <laughs> in orange county on tour in la uh i i got the best reviews <laughs> of the company it's like Joachim Stevenson nailing every step. He upholds the Viking honor. I'm like, Viking? Okay, sure. But because I was given by my creation of, of the role, Rothbard, as unstoppable greatness, not by, oh, fourth act. It's 4,000 people in the audience. Oh, I'm going to fall. Oh, these turns are really technical. No, if Rothbard was unstoppable greatness he doesn't care a shit about if he's going to fall or not it's about taking you know he was you know delicate he was delicious he was like move the fuck out of the way sorry my language but it, it was really given by the creation of the role and not the focus on how many turns do i need to do now oh my legs are feeling no Roth, Rothbard, he had his legs. He was grounded. He was looking through the people. He was dominating people. So I got really empowered and strengthened and inspired by the role and let myself work through the role. That was super. And that was groovy. I was even laughing on stage in fourth act. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, what is happening? Right. That's the best. That's the best. My dog's uh, my dog is here. He's he's getting up on the couch with me. Do you have any like specific tricks or tools or exercises that people can do to help them find their groove? Like anything that you've discovered or given to other people or learned from other people? Not more than like what you yourself said and what we just spoke about, like embody exercises. Because usually we're more stuck in the heads, I would say, instead of of doing. And if you want to explore softness, yeah, so go and just be goofy and soft 
But even if it's a ballet variation, really take it to the extent of doing it really soft, almost marking it to find new qualities and groove in that variation. So it's like you're having a new color in that variation. Otherwise, you're going to repeat and repeat. You repeat your uh, trying to be perfect or whatever again and again. So, so not being afraid of doing what you're doing in new ways. And yeah, taking off the mental pressure is huge. You know, just approach it like it's, because that's the thing too, like if you're, you know, stressed about doing adage in class because you think somehow that's going to like lead to you having a bad show. And then if you have a bad show, then you have a bad season, then you have a bad career, like chill. It's all good. Just play. So I guess my last idea would be to whatever degree you can have fun with it. Like as simple as it sounds, like try to have fun. Like even if it is a balance pirouette exercise, that's super awkward and you have to do it to the left and you're not naturally to the left, try to have fun. Yeah. And also, I mean, I think it's also, again, it's a, it's about being creative. Like why do you dance? Why give time to six days a week or seven days a week? Yeah. If you're not sh- sure about that, just because your parents said that, or it was a good idea 10 years ago, you have to reinvent your purpose, why you're spending that time. Because also people, choreographers and teachers and directors, they're going to see that in your dancing, in your eyes. Or they see like, oh, I want, I want to be a good boy. Please, please love me. Please. But th- that's not an expression. Or I would say uh, the ultimate expression. You want to see someone that is like, I just love balancing or I just love adaging i just love small jumps and i i want to express my body i want to express the story of uh romeo or cinderella or so and that you each of us we can create that intention purpose commitment whatever you want to call it and then we're going to get given by that because if it's only about if your toe is pointed I think in the end, it's going to be really boring. And then if you injure your toe, the whole world will (laughs) fall apart. So I looked up uh, how to find your groove and I found a list of five things. So let's see if we've covered that, okay? So Mm -hmm. step one, take a recess, like take a break, go have some playtime. I think we covered that. Mm -hmm. Switch your autopilot on. So rather than thinking, thinking, thinking everything, just turn on your natural unthinking version. We covered that. I suggest get in the kitchen, put on some great music and just vibe. Um, mm-hmm. Unshackle yourself. So like cut off from things like phone, emails, you know, the things that constantly take your attention. Give yourself some time intentionally to take away from those things. Cultivate relationships and connect with other people. So playing with others can be a way of finding it too right? Some people maybe feel like they're better Mm -hmm. on their own. Some people may be better with others and uh, tolerate discomfort. So be willing to um, work through a bit of discomfort. You know, if that self-judgment voice comes up and says, oh my God, you look so stupid, be ready to do that. So that was from mindful.org. So shout out to uh, (laughs) mindful.org. So you've done some really cool roles, as you mentioned, Rothbart. Uh, you danced Castrati by Nacho Duato, which I've seen, which is a really powerful piece. Uh, in the Upper Room, Twyla Tharp, 
and you danced Espada in Nereev's Don Q. So there's quite a spectrum there, right? And I wonder, what is it like finding your natural groove, finding your approach to these different roles when, you know, I'm pretty sure Nereev's Don Q is asking for something very different from Twyla Tharp's Upper Room and Nacho Duato. How do you approach those different roles and still try to bring the same authenticity to those roles? No, I think it's, uh, like you say, it's the, your own groove. Like it was my own groove from beginning. Uh, and that's why I actually started dancing because I was dancing at home more to <laughs> disco music or you know pop music. And then I went to the ballet school and got more, you know, training in how to stand, tendus, all the ballet, classical lines and all of that and techniques. But then at the opera, I think when actually it was my colleagues, we had these uh, workshops when dancers could do their own creations. And I was then picked by some dancers and they had me try on more contemporary things. Then I actually started to incorporate that in the ballet which made me more freer in in my ballet technique and actually dancing more fluently let's say and connected uh, rather than correct and clean actually the more you did that the more choreographers used you and the more experience you got so my movement vocabulary expanded and I think I'm also one of my talents talents were to adapt and to be flexible and to really okay what does he want you know and like a chameleon you say chameleon or what do you say chameleon. the one that shifts chameleon yeah so and like i found that interesting like what does the choreographer wants now what is it what is it okay like this more like that and because uh, we worked with John Neumeyer once and he was like, bam, 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 you know, super clear on what he wanted and grilled everyone and like, okay, and listen in between all that grill and then getting the source of it and then apply it. And then he was like, good, 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 super fun. Nice. So I think it's as a dancer, we're professional dancers is I noticed this now also, we are so ready to serve, ready to execute, ready to, okay, this is what you want, rather than really listening first, acknowledge, okay, what is it they want? So you can apply it in your execution. Of course, some choreographers can be uh, intolerant and, uh, you know, eager, but I think in order to actually get the information over here in your own body, you need a bit like, okay, what is he saying here? Okay, he wants this route or that music, or then you search your groove through their voice, through the choreography that they want. Otherwise, you're just going to repeat your automatic pilot in your body and trying to survive and like, please love me. <laughs> I want to do this, you know. Because we are so eager to serve again, we we we. It's I think it's hard to really unarmor, and allow ourselves to again fail and be uncomfortable in order to find new grooves in new choreographies. Yeah, and I think also the choreographers and rehearsal directors could allow more of that space. You know, like being ugly face mm -hmm. a while before we trying to get it right 
does it make sense what I'm saying or is it yeah, too yeah. Out, far out there? No, I, and I think it makes sense. And, you know, if a choreographer is saying, okay, I want you to do this, they're asking you to make their vision become real. And we're doing our best to accommodate that vision and articulate it in real space. But to deny that it is personal and it has to flow through us is like we're trying to remove the vessel entirely from the process, but you can't do that, right? Anything I say is spoken mm. through my voice, right? Mm. And so the more I make my voice wrong, the less I trust it and the less I can actually play with it and modulate it. And mm. I think that's a big mistake. Learning how to listen to myself and like actually allow what's inside me to come out because when I can do, like only when I've made it safe in myself to do that, can I begin to articulate anything truly, right? And articulating the vision of others is such a big part of what being a ballet dancer is, even being a human, because we all have a boss, right? So any kind of dance or outside the dance world, finding what is your natural groove is so important because once you've discovered that and made it safe enough to play in that space, then you can actually begin to modulate it. But as long as you keep denying your natural groove, you will never be able to fully articulate the vision of somebody else because you're literally denying the vessel you do the articulation with. I think it's like the one thing is to find your own groove by yourself. Like, I think that's a very valuable research and discovery and exploration you can do. And it's also listening, li listening to what is happening in your experience, in your body, what you say, you know, Microsoft little thingy popping up, you can't or you can like, okay, just acknowledge, notice, and then go on in your exploration. But when you're in a studio with the choreographer, then I think the most efficient way for effective collaboration and partnership is first just yeah be you but not in that time is more listening to what the choreographer says or the teacher or the rehearsal director not from like i want to make him happy or i'm not good and i will serve him but more from the craft from the art form from what is the work because I many dancers I experience, we want right and wrong, right and wrong. A stretched leg is a stretched leg. It's not bent, you know, rather than like in the contemporary world, it's more like, okay, I feel this. Yeah, and I got to relax into this. Yeah, uh, you know, there's a research there. But in the ballet world, I think we could give ourselves a little bit more space to receive the information from the choreographer, listening like what are they actually wanting and then deliver something and they're actually going to go faster <laughs> because like no 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 that was not really what i was wanting okay so just sometimes i really like okay wait a minute i'm not finished yet so just for the dancers to get what so what, what is it we're working on what are the, the choreographer you know looking for mm. Um, we are close to the end of our time. Uh, how do people find you? 
people can find me on my website uh and uh, take contact there and we can follow up okay we'll include that in the episode description so people can just click that link uh you can find us at two two guys on instagram and facebook email us two two guys pod at gmail.com keep those questions coming um leave us a review we really appreciate it and uh yeah joachim Tak. That's how you say thank you, right? In <laughs> Swedish? Yeah, that's thank you. All right. Great to see you. Yeah, you too. Do you have a sense of belonging anywhere? Dance. Just dance. Dance.